war, politics, social unrest, economic uncertainty, international conflicts, climate change. What is the significance of these current events? Where are we heading? Pastor Gary Webster shares answers from the Bible, giving you hope and certainty in the times ahead. Welcome to Countdown, Back to the Future. This episode is entitled, COVID-19 and Bible Prophecy, The Invincibles. Let's have prayer together and ask God to bless us as we uh, view this first program together. Father, we just ask that you will be with us tonight. Help us to understand. Help us to have hearts that are willing to follow your word. We pray that you will help us, God, to, to be followers of Jesus, to love people, to respect people like Jesus did. In his name, amen. All right, we're looking at COVID-19 and Bible prophecy, the invincibles. When you go to war, of course, you need to be in peak condition, don't you? You've seen the soldiers train for the war that they actually never fight many of them. But we certainly need to be in peak condition. And I would remind all of us that we are in a war far more deadly than any physical war on this planet. We are in a war over your eternal destiny and mine. And we too need to think about how we can be in peak condition. And we're going to talk about that. Remember these three beasts. How could we forget them? We're talking about them a lot, aren't we? These three powers seek global worship or allegiance. Yours and mine. We've now identified the three of them. Remember that three angels' messages are given to counter those three beasts and what they are seeking to do. Notice the first angel's message. We're going to see something tonight that we actually haven't zeroed in on. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. There it is. So what does it mean to give glory to God? How do we do that? Well, of course, there are many ways in the Bible that we can do uh, give glory to God or honor him or lift him up. But there's one that the Bible zeroes in on very clearly in the New Testament. Notice what Paul says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very dwelling place of God Almighty, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Paul says for you were bought with a price, therefore, and there it is, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What's God telling us here? As we are now at war, God is saying, listen, bring glory to God by caring for his body. We just read it, it's his body, right? Not our body. He's bought us with an enormous price. Be in peak condition to win this war. And let me tell you, you and I are going to need everything we can possibly lay our hands on for what lies ahead in this conflict. And here is one great thing that God has given us. God wants you and I to actually have good health. I like the way John, who wrote the book of Revelation, put it when he wrote to his friends. My dear friends, 
I pray that everything may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Now, if we don't think it's important to be in good health as God's children, think about Jesus Christ. He spent so much time healing broken bodies. Clearly, the body must be important. Otherwise, why would he waste his time healing people if, hey, it doesn't matter, you're going to go to eternal life? Why waste his time on this planet when he was here healing people? Just deal with the spiritual issues. Now, we're going to share tonight some very sound scientific health principles that come from the Bible on this. Because our Creator knows exactly what you and I need for optimal health so we can win this war. He made us. He knows what is best for us. You know, when you buy a car, if you're smart, you'll read the manual. Probably many of us don't even bother. But if we're smart, we'll read the manual because the owner or the maker, I should say, he knows what is best for it. And God's manual for good health, the principles are found clearly in the Bible. Now, notice that humans, first of all, are four dimensional, we could say. We are, first of all, social beings, mental beings. We have a mind that thinks we are physical. We do stuff but also we are spiritual beings. There are many people in life today who try to get around with one or more of those wheels missing off their car. Imagine a four-wheel car and driving on three. But many people are doing that. They either neglect the spiritual dimension, they don't give attention to the physical side, as even though they may be spiritual. They don't interact with other people. They're all important. We see that in the life of Jesus himself. The Bible says, and Jesus increased in wisdom, his mind, and in stature, physically, and in favor with God, spiritually, and with human beings or men, socially. You think what happens when you lose sleep. You get irritable, don't you? You get grumpy. Your social relationships are affected big time simply because we didn't get a bit of sleep. It's easy happens. What happens when we have mental stress? We have heart attacks. If it goes on long enough, we can have stomach ulcers. We can have an abundance of different issues because of mental stress. I want to go back to Jerusalem 2000 years ago. Remember, we saw that Jesus gave the great signs of the end of the world. Here in Jerusalem, talk to his followers, signs of the end. Notice one of them. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Jesus clearly predicted that as we move toward the end of time, we should expect to see not pestilence, but pestilences, plural. And you think of some of the things we've had in our Recent times, the Spanish flu, none of us were there, were they? Were we? But 500 million people were infected with the Spanish flu. And uh, some 17 at the lowest estimate to 50 million people died. That is a lot of people. That's at least three times almost, well, twice the number of people that living in Australia, isn't it? About the higher end. Think of the pestilences that we have had. The super germs, Ebola. SARS, swine flu, 
I remember flying out to Samoa just a few years ago and you could not get into that country without you go through a whole bunch of checks for I think it was swine flu, bird flu, foot and mouth disease and the list goes on. And of course, in our time now, we have COVID-19, don't we? And we're all familiar with this. I want you to think about the comorbidities and uh, what they have found statistically. This is March 2020. 6% of deaths at that time were actually COVID-19 was the only factor that caused the deaths. Uh, so only 6% of people died just from COVID, nothing else. 94% of deaths had underlying causes. In other words, it set them up to die when COVID came along. If COVID hadn't have come along, they probably wouldn't have died just yet. But they had issues that caused that. And here are some of them. Overweight, hypertension, blood pressure, diabetes, dementia, atherosclerosis, chronic lower respiratory disease. That was the order that they found when on death. But they also found something else. When people entered the hospital, doctors looked also as they entered what problems they had. Notice, 5% of deaths now, this is when they entered hospital, 5% of deaths was COVID-19 was the only factor on entry. The other end was death. That means 95% of deaths had underlying causes. You know, that's setting them up so that when COVID came to them, it took them out. This is, uh, these were some of the comorbidities. Now it was hypertension, hyperglycemia, meaning high cholesterol and high triglycerides, obesity again, Diabetes with complications was another problem. Coronary atherosclerosis, you know some of these repeat, don't they? And then finally, what we call GERD, that should be GERD, gastric reflux and so on. More to come yet, kidney failure was another one. Anxiety, you'll see this occurs again. And then we have coronary obstructive pulmonary disease, meaning mainly caused by smoking, which gives emphysemia and bronchitis, these sorts of things. Thyroid disorders, and then we have depression and sleep disorders. These were the comorbidities that when, when COVID came to this, they got COVID, they took them out because of those underlying disorders. Now we come to, they look now at 5 million people going into hospital between 2020 to 2021. What was interesting, again, 5% of deaths, COVID-19 was the only factor. 95% of deaths had underlying causes, set them up to die. Now notice the comorbidity factors. Number one now, overweight as before. Number two, anxiety. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people, I've, I've met people here, they are very anxious about COVID-19. Be careful because with the more anxious we get, the worried we get about this whole thing, we are actually setting ourselves up because anxiety was one of the high ones here. Diabetes with complications. Again, notice here, the greater the number of comorbidities that you and I have, the greater the chances of sickness and death. We're setting ourselves up. So this is why I wanted to look this evening COVID-19, first of all, is real and it kills. There's no question about that. It's real and it kills. Just this week, 
we learn from our headquarters at our church that 750 ministers have died of COVID, meaning comorbidity factors were part of it and all sorts of things. 17,000 church members in the Seventh-day Adventist Church have died and they believe the number is four times that because of Brazil and India do not record. This is a serious problem. Don't underestimate it. 650,000 people die from the flu every year. But with COVID-19, we've so far had 219 million infected and 4.5 million people die. So in the last year, that would be about 3 million, I think it is, in the year. So this is, this is serious, this problem. So what we want to look at now uh, as we move through is this. How can we develop a strong immune system? If somehow, and other health-related issues, if we can help that, if COVID comes to you, it reduces your chances of getting really sick and dying. I want to go back to a study done by two famous doctors, Drs. Breslow and Ballock at the University of California back in 1972, a long time ago. But these guys did a nine-year study of 7,000 people and it revealed how to add 11 and a half years of good quality life while you live longer. Anyone would want that, wouldn't they? So these sort of principles are actually found in the Bible. So let's go. I'm going to go through what we call new start. Some of you have heard of this, but I think it bears on repeating uh, and remembering these. Number one is nutrition. Moses gave very sound dietary health principles that are found in the Bible. Um, we mentioned some of these back in... Uh, I think when I came here last year, some of you were here. Avoid animal fat, the Bible says. Notice what the Bible says. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, You shall eat no manner of fat or of ox or of sheep or of goat. Such sorts of things that we put into our bodies, we're setting ourselves up for things like atherosclerosis and so on, which is a comorbidity factor, remember. So make sure we're careful on this. And uh, you go to a doctor and he'll tell you, won't he, if you've got a heart problem, if you've got some issue, he'll say, what are you doing? Cut back on meat. That's what he'll tell you. American Heart Association recommends limiting saturated fats, which are found in butter, cheese, red meat and other animal-based foods. Decades of sound science has proven it. Can raise, whoops, it can raise your bad cholesterol and put you at higher risk for heart disease. Second one is a plant-based diet, says God in the Bible, gives, is the best for optimal health. Notice on the first page of the Bible, God said these words. God said, behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for food. Well, in other words, a plant-based diet. Medical science certainly bears that out. We could share lots of statements, but here's just one from across, the, across New Zealand. There's no debating the science, says Lily Henderson. A diet packed with plant foods does wonders for your health. And medical science bears that out many times. Number three, there's God actually gave a prohibition on unclean meats. If we're going to eat, eat flesh, God said, hey, there's certain ones you, you can eat and certain ones you shouldn't eat. Remember Noah's flood. When Noah went into the boat, God sent animals into the boat. You remember that. And notice what happened. The Bible says, You shall take with you seven of every clean animal, a male and his female, 
to each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. God never intended us to eat the unclean ones. Because you imagine, Mrs. Noah comes in and she says, listen, I, I just cooked one of those unclean animals. Noah says, my dear, you have just wiped out the species now. How are we going to build this thing up? Clearly they weren't meant to be eaten. Uh, but not, that's not the only reason. Clearly God also, the clean animals, he gave more of those. Okay, what's the difference between a clean and an unclean animal? You may eat every animal with cloven hoofs and having the hoof split into two parts and that choose the cud among the animals, says God. So if you're going to eat flesh, make sure you eat the clean ones. We, it's easy to, t to find out what they are. Things like the deer, the goats, the sheep, the cattle and so on. Make sure you eat those ones. Um, then, nevertheless, of those that chew the cud, says God, or have a cloven hoof, you shall not eat such as these, the camel, the hare, the rock hyrax, for they chew the cud, but they don't have a cloven hoof. They are unclean for you. So unless it does both, don't eat it, says God. It's not so good for you. So some of the unclean ones, the old kangaroo, the rabbit and the horse, these are not so good. And generally speaking, a lot of these animals tend to have more parasites in them. We eat the flesh, we get the parasites, we get the bugs that are in their bodies. The swine, God talked about the pig especially, and the swine is unclean for you because it has a cloven hoof, yet it doesn't chew the cud, you shall not eat their flesh. Now the old pig we know is a pretty old dirty old thing, isn't he? Our family used to live down in there in Midland and we were on the road just down from where the main road, the trucks used to come to the abattoirs when that was up there in Midland. We could always smell the pig truck, even though it was way off down the road a bit. But we couldn't smell the cows and the sheep trucks, but we could smell the pig truck. You know what they're like. They love the dirt. Notice what God says. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if you're thinking right now, man, God, you're taking all the goodies out of my life. God is not doing that. He would never do that unless he knew it was good that you didn't have it. He wouldn't tell you to do that. So take that as a consolation. God would never take anything from us unless it was good that he would withhold it. By the way, the pig... Go back again. The pig has the highest fat content and the highest cholesterol source. Little wonder that God who made everything and knows what we're be what's best for us said, don't touch this fellow because it's not going to help our health. Dr. McNaught discovered that one in every four, four pork specimens had living trichina larvae in them and are very hard to cook, get to kill these, these parasites even with good cooking. So the pig is a bit dangerous because you eat them, they come into your system and you get problems in, in, your, in, your, in your body and so on. Now, the Israelites, just like they would not obey many of God's commandments, also did not follow God's principles on healthful living. So the Bible prophets call them back. They say, listen, you guys, you need to come back because God is trying to give, do something good for you. So they rebellious and unfaithful. And notice what God said to them. For behold, the Lord will come with fire 
and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens. They would go to the groves and there they'd worship their Baal and so on. But they'd also do some eating up here. Those who go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse. Give me a break. Mice for breakfast. Sounds good, doesn't it? Maybe you would rather a rat or something. I don't know. But these people were eating mice. And, 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 and God says, hey, listen, they, you will be consumed together, says the Lord. Now, God is not saying that to people who are in ignorance. These people knew what they should do or not do, and they were rebelling. That's what he's talking about, a rebellious attitude. What about the seafoods? What about the sort of animals that live in the waters? What can we eat of those if we're going to eat flesh? Well, the Bible says, these you may eat of all that are in the waters, you may eat all that have fins and scales and whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. It is unclean for you, says God. So lots of things you can eat from the sea that have fins and scales. But there are lots of things that one shouldn't eat that don't have fins and scales. Prevention magazine, shellfish are dirty and dangerous. Uh, we used to live up on the central coast of uh, New South Wales and you would often read reports and hear reports of food poisoning and they would often trace it back to the oysters and so on that people were eating. My mum and dad were great eaters of crayfish and crabs. They loved them. When they read the Bible on this, they said, oh no God, you are taking all the goodies from us. <laughs> but they said, listen, Stomach, you need to get used to this because this is what God says. It's going to be best for us if we do what he says. Dr. Bruce Halstead was a marine biologist during the Second World War, and he was assigned a task by the, by the United States government during the war to find out what downed airmen should eat. And, uh, you know, sailors, that, you know, the boats were blown up and, and they're out drift on there. What, what can they eat? He came up with pretty much the same thing as the Bible says. Make sure it's fins and scales. Uh, exactly what God is talking about here to help our health. Okay, what about the birds now? All clean birds you may eat. So he says all clean birds. And then he lists a whole lot that you shouldn't eat. But these you shall not eat. The eagle... The vulture, well, who would want to anyway? The buzzard, the red kite, the falcon. You notice they tend to be the birds of prey. And the kite after their kind, every raven after its kind, the ostrich, the short-eared howl, the seagull, and the hawk after their kinds, the little owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, the carrion vulture, the fisher owl, the stork, the heron after its kind, and the hoopy and the bat. Oh, we wouldn't want to eat the bat. By the way, that... Eating of bats and so on is part of the problem with some of the diseases people are suffering today. Uh, some of the viruses that have been passed on. Okay, so, you know, there's lots of birds that you can eat when you think about it. The turkey, the chickens and that sort of bird. Okay, the dove and the pigeon if you're into that. So these are the clean ones that God says, okay, if you're going to eat that, well, only go for that sort. All right, so that's nutrition. Some of the things we can eat, um, God gave very good, sound scientific health principles. I'm going to race through some of these quickly because uh, for time's sake, but exercise. You know, 
you and I might eat the best food, but do we actually exercise? And the best forms of exercise is that which pushes our hearts a little bit. Now, we're not suggesting that you go for a run around the block for half an hour and you've just never done it before. You want to build up gradually. But exercise does wonders. I remember reading about this when I was 19 years of age. I would have been in the box years ago if I hadn't read that. Because exercise is a great stress reducer. It gets the heart, helps the heart. It's really very good, especially even walking fast, vigorously as you can and let the arms and the legs go. You will do well to do some physical exercise. We've all heard about it. Water. Many people, I was just talking to someone just the other day. They said, I never drink water. All I drink is coffee. That's my water. Well, let me tell you, this is vital for us. Our kidneys need it to do their job properly. Our brains need plenty of water. Six to eight glasses. It's not hard. When you get up, have a couple of glasses of water. Mid-morning, a couple of more. Mid-afternoon, a couple of more. You've got six to eight glasses. Make sure they're not little ones, good-sized ones. You'll feel much better for it, for having plenty of water. Sunshine. Man, when you think about this, when we lived out in the Pacific Islands, as soon as the sun would come out after a couple of days of lots of rain, the people in the Pacific Islands, out would go all their sheets, out would go all their mattresses and blankets in the sun because the sun is very good for helping get rid of unwanted bacteria and so on. So the sun is, is a top way. Of course, you don't want too much that you get yourself cancer, but it's good to get out in the sun. Some places where people get less sun, they have more problems, especially down in Tasmania. We have to watch it because we don't get enough sunlight. Next one is temperance. Temperance. I want you to notice this one. Temperance. Paul was likening uh, us in, in, in the race of life to the Olympic Games. Notice what he said. Everyone who competes for the prize in the games is temperate in all things, aren't they? I was watching someone who was a, a cyclist recently. She said, man, for year after year, I kept my body under. <laughs> I ate the right food. I went to bed on time. She just and she won a gold medal. So it says people, the prize, they're temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, just a, a gold medal in our day or a, a wreath around the head back in Paul's day. But we for an imperishable crown. We're headed for eternity, says Paul. I discipline my body. I disciple it, if you would. I make sure I, it doesn't get out of control. I'm in control. And I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Very good counsel from Paul. Now think about temperance in a number of areas for a moment. Temperance or self-control, that's what he's talking about. When it comes to a poison, it means none. Why would we want to take a poison? It's dangerous. Of course, that's temperance, isn't it? If it's a lit neutral, it's neither good nor bad, let's say it's a bit of chocolate. Well, a little, but whatever you do, don't go overboard on it, of course, a little. If it's good, sufficient, but don't overdo it. You can kill yourself on water. Some people have, not by drinking six to eight glasses, more like six to eight gallons in a day. So a, a little is good for neutral and sufficient. Many people, they need to learn the simple exercise of pushing away from the table. 
and turning their head for no more, you know? <laughs> this is very important. Think about things like smoking. Maybe you have a problem in this area here. This damages the body, as we know. Dr. Linus Pauling, every cigarette, he said, takes 14.5 minutes from life. You say, it gives about 14.5 minutes. But if a person smokes 40 cigarettes, as many do, that's 16 years less, less life. And the life they have is poor quality life. So this is very significant. Smokers have a 25% higher risk of heart attack as well. And so this is important. You know, it, it bothers me, to, especially if you go out to the Pacific, the cigarette companies, they are after young people, big time. It's totally incredible. And drugs. You know, I sometimes, when we lived in Sydney, would travel on the trains, often every day, in fact, and it was nothing to see a young man in about 25 years of age talking to himself out loud because he's lost his mind, blowing his mind on drugs. So if drugs is a problem, you get some help because drugs are messing with society big time today and even Christians get involved in it. The Bible says, without me, you can do nothing. But notice what the Bible also says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me tell you, if you have a problem with smoking or drugs, you go to God. He can give you the victory. There's no, there's no want of power from God. When we go to him seriously and earnestly, he will help us. That's the promise he's made. What about alcohol? Alcohol is a growing problem even among Christians today. Sad thing to think about it, but I want you to think. Alcohol causes the red blood cells to clump together. And this makes it hard or impossible for them to pass through the tiniest little blood vessels. We call them capillaries. Alcohol cuts off blood to the brain, killing cells with just one drink. One drink of alcohol kills brain cells. Wow. Alcohol affects the forebrain. That's where we do our, our thinking and our, 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 sorry, our, our conscience resides and our reason and our judgment. And which is why when people drink, they have poor judgment. They uh, get into all sorts of stuff. Wine is a mocker, the Bible says. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It's not smart, says God, through Solomon. Another one, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. In other words, it's alcoholic. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. We've all heard of them, haven't we? Man, I've, I've, I've been in some interesting places, like all over the place in cities. Uh, and when, when it's you know, two o'clock in the morning, you hear some, some crazy things from people who have been drinking too much. That's what he's talking about. Our judgment is severely affected. Do you know, 40% of people, that's two out of every five people who start on drink will have a serious drinking problem. It'll affect their marriage or it'll affect their health or they'll have a car accident. Two out of every five. You imagine playing roulette with a gun and you put two, two bullets in, five, in, in two of the five chambers and then you play the game and you spin the barrel and you pass it around. Who would play that game? But that's the, that's the odds. Two out of every five people who start on alcohol will end up having a serious drinking problem. 
that affects others. Now, someone says, and it's a good question, but didn't Jesus make a whole bunch of wine? Didn't he do that? Well, yes, he did. He turned water to wine. But what we have to understand is the same word for alcoholic wine is also used for grape juice in the Bible. You think about it. As the new wine is found in the cluster, the bunch of grapes, and one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. Now, do you think that Jesus, who inspired, by the way, through his spirit, inspired Solomon to say, wine is a mocker, Strong drink is raging and so on that we just read. Do you think the same Jesus would make a huge amount of alcohol, uh, alcoholic wine, enough to get a village drunk? Of course he wouldn't. Especially when you think that on the cross, Jesus refused wine. Why? He needed his mind in gear because he was going to the cross for you and I and he was fighting the biggest issue of, of, of the whole of history. He needed to have his mind in gear on the cross so he refused to drink wine when they offered it. He was at war. Great example for you and I in this thing. Probably not too many people are great Shakespeare lovers, but Shakespeare got this one right. Oh God, that men should put an enemy in their mouths to steal away their brains. Good point, isn't it? Because that's exactly what it does, sadly. There was a father who used to store grog in his fridge. And he'd say to his boy, boy, don't drink. It's bad for you. But he would drink. Well, of course, the boy helped himself to his dad's grog when he wasn't looking and so on. And one day he took too much, got drunk and killed himself. And the father knew that his son died because of his influence. So sometimes if we won't do it for ourselves, do it for those who are watching. Stop for others because we are setting others up by our example, tragically. If alcohol is a problem we're fighting with, let me tell you, God can help you. He not only forgives, but he gives power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will give us the ability to overcome whatever it is. I told you the story about my daddy, which, who drank like a fish. When Jesus came, the power came. All right, next one. Air, fresh air out in the in the in the open air sometimes we're too locked up in our offices we need to get out and get fresh air i remember when our oldest daughter was just a baby she would uh, she was a bit of a cry crying baby you know sometimes you have those ones as soon as marilyn would take robin outside boom stop immediately every time something about the fresh air that is very good for us in many ways and certainly helps us fight disease rest rest some of us burn the midnight oil, don't we? The Bible says uh, on, concerning sleep, for he gives his beloved sleep. Now, if you're like me, you wish there wasn't such a thing called sleep because you want to do. <laughs> That's what I'm like, a type A. But it's very important. Seven to eight hours sleep. Sometimes, some people can have a little less, but not too many of us. We're better to make sure we get good Rest, it helps us. I've noticed myself, if I get good rest, you have less other problems. Get good sleep. When you, when you, when you shirk it, other issues start to, to arise, don't they? The last one I want to talk about is trust in God. You know, Jesus put it this way. Fear not, when in the book of Isaiah, fear not for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed. As I mentioned a while ago, there are some people during this COVID crisis, which is a serious crisis, which, which has us worried on many fronts, but there are many people who are worried to the point that it's just eating them out. And God says, don't worry about anything, including COVID-19. Don't let this issue so soak us up that our focus is off Jesus and it's also wrecking our health. Fear not, I am with you. Now, I want to close with motivation for good health because it's all very well to talk about all these things, isn't it? Most of us know these great principles, but putting them into practice, that becomes the issue many times. So I want to talk about this in closing. Many people believe, sadly many Christians, it doesn't matter how I treat my body, so long as my heart is right with God. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's a devil's lie there. You see, our body, we read earlier, is God's temple. He lives in us. What a privilege. Paul said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? What a beautiful truth that God actually lives in you and me. How close can God get? Not just beside us, but inside us, the Bible says. There was a little girl who's, who was told this by the preacher one day. And uh, he said, you don't have to be afraid of anything because God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. So she came home to her mum and she said, Mummy, I don't ever have to be afraid of the dark anymore. You know why? Because the preacher said God's with me. He lives in me through his Holy Spirit. I don't need to be afraid of anything. She said, all right, after dark, you go up to the top floor of our house and you stay up there for half an hour. So at dark time, the little girl went upstairs. She was there for half an hour. She came running down at the end. She said, Mummy, the preacher was right. I wasn't scared one bit because I knew Jesus was with me through his Holy Spirit. You know, it's a great privilege that you and I have got. The greatest motivation to look after our bodies should be this one. God lives in us. What a privilege. What a tremendous privilege that's given to you and I that God can be in us, living in us through his Holy Spirit. You imagine going into a mosque or a church and throwing rubbish in the church. You know, bits of junk, bit of manure here and there. What would people say? Poor man, you'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? Yet these body temples of ours where God actually resides, sometimes we throw rubbish in them. What we eat, what we drink, how we operate. God says, listen, your body is my dwelling place. Number two, our body belongs to God, not us. That's another great motivating factor. There's a responsibility that I have because it's not my body, it's his. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What a great thing that is. Next time you're tempted to do something, think, hey, hang on, this is not my body. It's God's body. I have a responsibility. Think about Jesus on the cross. That's where we see the great price paid for you and I, isn't it? Peter talked about this. Notice what he said. It belongs to God by Christ's death. I love the text. Knowing that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb. You and I matter to God. Think about that text. 
God loved you and I so much that he died. He redeemed us with his own life. That's enormous. God values you. Your, your husband, your wife, your kids may not value you. Your parents may, but God does. That's how much he thinks you are worth. He paid with you for you with his own life. Therefore, he owns us. That's why Paul says these words in Romans. I beseech you, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by, in other words, in view of the mercies of God, in view of the fact that Jesus died for us, purchased us, I plead with you, he says, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service in view of all that. Wow. In view of the fact that God paid such a price for us. Number three, caring for our bodies is a moral issue. It really is. Paul, writing to his friends in Corinth, said these words. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will, he says, destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? Wow, sobering words, aren't they? Wow, defiling the temple means not looking after it as God has pointed out. Those are very serious words. Remember the first angel's message? What was the first angel's message? I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. Why? Wow, the hour of his judgment has come. God is actually going to judge you and I by the way we've treated his body. When we know and what we do with what we do know. That's a sobering thought and that's what Paul is saying there. Finally, the Bible's health principles actually work. I'm going to share with you some interesting statistics that come from the lifestyle studies of the University of Loma Linda. Just quickly, Adventist lifestyle studies, they're called funded by many different groups other than the Seventh-day Adventists. I think even the government of the United States has helped fund these. For longevity, living longer, it's discovered that Adventist men live 7.3 years longer. Adventist women live 4.4 years longer than the average population where these studies were done. They compared them. For all cancers, what did they discover? Adventist men have a 60% lower death rate from all cancers. Adventist women are 76% lower death rate from all cancers. Bowel cancer, 62% lower for Adventists. Breast cancer, 85% lower for Adventists. Coronary heart disease, Adventist men, a 60% lower incidence. And Adventist women, a 98% lower incidence. Not because they're Seventh-day Adventists, but because they follow the principles of the Bible. Anyone can have that advantage. Any of us, as long as we follow the Bible's principles. Now, by the way, they compared Adventists with Adventists because sadly, like the Israelites, not all Adventists follow these principles, even though they know them. And they discovered it's only the Adventists who follow them that have the best advantage. So it's very important. It's because of the Bible and its sound scientific health principles. No wonder the Bible says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, what he says... And do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. 
I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. By the way, they've done autopsies on the mummies, many of the mummies now. And they suffered, we noticed, all the sort of lifestyle diseases that we have, modern lifestyle diseases, heart attacks and so on, cancer and many of those. I'll put none of the diseases on you which you have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. In other words, God's into preventative health, healthful measures here. He, he wants to help us prevent disease, I should say. Well, these are the great principles of the Bible that we see. Now, caring for our bodies finally gives us better mental health to overcome Satan because we're in a battle here. All these principles will help us. We are at war. Jesus was at war. He refused wine because he was in com combat, combat with the enemy of our souls. And Jesus is coming soon and the devil is going to throw everything at you and I. Let, you, let us be assured of that. He will do everything, every advantage that you and I have, we should grab hold of. And this is one of them in this great war. We need every means to overcome. Now, we may have fallen short in some of these principles, but let me tell you, God is a forgiving God. That's the great thing about God. With him, there is plenteous forgiveness, even if we've done it deliberately and we knew what we shouldn't do. If we turn back to God, he will forgive. But he also will give us power, overcoming power to do the right thing over these poor health habits. I love the way the book of Revelation puts it right in the middle of Revelation chapter 12. They overcame him. That's the dragon. That's the devil. By the blood of the lamb. There is incredible power when we put our life in the hand of Jesus and him crucified. Paul said these words, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. He said at the cross, I find power over the stuff that I know I really shouldn't do and the things that I should do, I do. After our break, not after our break, after our second pro, I want to talk for a moment for those who want to stay, and be, stay behind, about COVID-19, vaccination and the Bible. You'll notice I haven't mentioned vaccination in this, but I want to talk to you a little bit about that if you want to stay behind after the second presentation. Okay? Okay, I think we're ready to begin then. All right, COVID vaccination and the Bible. I want to just mention, first of all, should be A, not B. <laughs> uh, I want to just first of all mention that that there are two great reasons why we have extra life going on in our planet at the moment. In other words, people live longer. And generally they live better while they're living longer, many people. You think of how many people have died, in, especially in third world countries. There's two great reasons. Number one is hygiene. This great principle from the Bible is given. We've seen that. And that's one of the greatest reasons the lifespan has increased, you know, with sanitation and all that sort of thing. Uh, this is one of the th main reasons. The second one is actually vaccination. All right. We're talking about the, the, the polio and the um, other vaccines that we've had, you know, like smallpox. Do you know that smallpox has been eradicated on this planet? Very little polio is on this planet because of vaccination. So all I'm saying tonight is don't underestimate the importance that vaccination has played. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I, I think we all ought to think about 
the fact that that has certainly helped. I understand clearly that people are not sure because we don't know about this current vaccination. I get that, but I want us to think about that. Next one I want to talk about is this. We need to be careful of conscience and judging people. There's a passage in the Bible in the book of Romans which says that some people have a conscience that leans in one direction and some people have a conscience that leads in another direction on any subject, all right? For example, in Paul's time, it was on food sacrifice to idols. Now, some Christians thought that was totally wrong to eat food sacrifice to idols. Other Christians had no problem with it because what's an idol? A piece of rock, just a stone, doesn't mean anything. Some people was tremendously smitten in their conscience. And Paul said, be careful how you judge each other. And in this issue that's going on right now, there are people on both sides of the argument, Christians on both sides, and sometimes some Christians are judging one another. If you are one of those people who doesn't have a problem with vaccination, okay. Those of you who do have a problem with it, God's point is, don't judge that person. If you, don't have a, you have a problem with vaccination, God says to the people who don't have a problem with vaccination, don't judge the other guy either. Because you see, the point is, the Bible says that a person's conscience is very important. We must not go against someone's conscience and try to push them in an area where they're not comfortable with. The Bible says, if I go against my conscience... I sin. That's a serious matter. So that's the second point I would like to get across to us all. Be careful in a time like this that we don't judge people and try to push them beyond where they want to go. It's okay to share what your belief is with someone, and we should. But don't judge and don't condemn one another. It's a very important principle. You'll find it. I'm not going to go through it. But you read Romans chapter 14. Paul has a lot to say on this matter. Be careful how you treat another person who takes a different view than you have. That's a vital matter to God. That applies in many things in life. So don't judge someone and say, listen, that guy takes the vaccine. He's not a Christian. That is not Christian. You say someone's not a Christian because he takes the vaccine. You're not being Christian as far as Paul's concerned. If you say someone's not taking the vaccine, they're an idiot, you are wrong. Because <laughs> I know what the sort of language goes on on this thing, right? That's not fair, that's not right. Paul says, don't do that. It's not helpful to each other. We need to help one another. So that's a very important principle. The third one I want to talk about, something that bothers me, as I hear around a lot, is there's a lot of condemnation of the government, governments. Now, when you go to the New Testament, the Bible says, very careful, be careful how we treat the government. It doesn't mean we have to follow the government against our conscience, but we need to be careful how we speak against anybody. The Bible says on the ninth commandment, do not bear false witness. That's a commandment of God. Sometimes we pass on information that we hear, but we are actually not really sure sometimes of that information either side sometimes so I want to come to this text here 
I've been thinking about this because I think we need to be very careful as Christians how we treat the government. The government has been put here by God. Now, Paul wrote these words when the Romans were in control. Let me tell you, it wasn't a great space to be in. Probably similar in some respects, probably not as bad as being under the control of the Nazis. But I want us to think, this is the words of God and we need to be awful careful. We ought to be praying for the government leaders, not condemning them. And Sometimes that happens. Let me read these words. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. No authority. Whoa! And, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists that what God has appointed. Now, that doesn't mean we have to take the vaccine because the government says so. But the government has their role to help the, 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 the nation, God says. Let me read on. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have, sorry, would, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. When I read these words, I thought, Webster, you better be careful how you talk about the government yourself. How we criticize sometimes. See, read on. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, the minister of God, it says an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities and ministers of God. So I want us to think about these words, brothers and sisters. I'm not telling you what to do, but I am saying, let us be very careful in this current climate, because we are told by Paul to pray for the leaders of the government. Many times the Bible says, pray for these people. Let us not criticize. We don't have to agree with them on everything, of course. We don't have to follow against what's our conscience, but we do need to respect them. I just wanted to share those things. I'm not telling you what to do. Simply saying, let us pray. Let us get on our knees. Because also something else I've noticed. You just imagine that you are one of those people, if you take the vaccine say let's AstraZeneca, you're going to get a blood clot and die. Right? Just say that's happened to you. You're going to be that one out of whatever it is, how many million they say. Now let's just say you talked to God and you said, God, should I take that vaccine? And God said, not you. Because God does speak to us. He does impress us. So you're alive now, Mal, oh, Ren. <laughs> now but let's go, he goes to someone else and he says, you need to get the vaccine. Because you're going to get COVID and it's going to take you out. Right? That can happen. So that's why we need to respect. And that's why we all need to go to God on our knees and talk about God to God about this sort of stuff. Because he can see what's coming up in your life and my life. Now having said that, remember that God has promised, let him or her who lacks wisdom ask of God and he will give it liberally. So those are three points I want us to think about tonight. Number one, be careful how we talk of the government. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. If you see the government as enemy, pray for them. Pray for them till you love them. Because God died for all those politicians, let me tell you. Number two, let us respect each other's viewpoint. So if someone has the vaccine, 
Treat them and love them. If someone doesn't have it, love them. And thirdly, remember, God has promised, if we ask, he will help us in our circumstances. We do not want a war between Christians. And we don't want to see Christians warring against the government. That is not a good space to be in as far as God's concerned. Let's pray together in prayer. Father in heaven, I want to thank you tonight that the Bible helps us to stay on track. We don't know how could it be that sometimes evil governments, but you said in your word, we follow them where we can. Of course, if it goes against your word, your commandments, then we don't. We get that. But Lord, help us to pray for our leaders, respect them, and uh, help us also, Lord, not to criticize other people, not to condemn others who may differ from us in our, their opinion. Let us seek your help. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Countdown Back to the Future made available by the Victoria Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their YouTube page, Vic Park SDA Church. William Ackland here again with you folks, and I'd like to share another one of my poems. This one is entitled, I Look Ahead. I look not back to yesterday's made grey with sordid deeds, and thoughts to match. I look not back to emptiness and greed and selfish pride the devil's catch. I look not back. I look not here, for all around are sights and sounds I should not ever see nor hear today. I look not here, for envy's sharpened claw may snatch away what good I've gained. I look ahead, for all the future's brightening rays are best to see instead. I look ahead, not back, not here, not on this earth, but there, where we will one day be to share the promised rest. Then we can safely see, in looking back, the way he's led. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.